Welcome back to the Lynx Golf Podcast. This is digital editor Al Lunsford with Lynx. Sitting down today after enviously looking at pictures of our publisher Jack Purcell's recent trip over to Scotland. I've been, but I've never done a trip quite like this. And Jack is going to give you a full breakdown of his nine nights and nine rounds in Scotland. But uh, welcome back, Jack. Uh, you're, you're all in one piece, I guess. You made it through all those rounds of golf. Oh, Al, it was terrific. And we were very, very lucky. Um, I think as I've told you, um, this was planned in June of 20 with my three best college buddies who had never been to Scotland. And then we kicked it to June of 21 and then July of 21 and then finally to August of 21. And we all said to ourselves at the end of July, if it doesn't happen in August of 21, we'll probably defer it for a couple of years. And then Scotland opened up on August 2nd for no quarantine. And so we quickly uh, reconnected with Perry Golf, which had every, all the logistics ready to go, and they, they were able to put it together very quickly, and we got over there. So it was, it was wonderful. A couple of years in the making that trip, Perry Golf has been a wonderful partner of ours for a long time, great friends of yours as well. Before we get into the nitty-gritty of everything, how, just how easy do they make it on you when planning these types of trips? Well, you know, uh, Perry Golf is, uh, I've known Gordon Dagley's the owner for, oh, 25 years, maybe 30 years, and they always do a great job. They're very professional. You know, they may be a little bit more pricey than some other tour operators, but you pay for what you want and what you get, and it was seamless. We had a coach, you know, take an eight-person coach. There were only four of us, you know, with a wonderful driver, Andy Donald, who, uh, wonderful and uh it's just seamless you know they, they pick you up at the airport they get you to the first hotel and get you to the golf co- andy actually caddied one day for us uh, unfortunately one of the caddies uh got hit by a golf ball in the third hole at north barrack and had to go in and uh andy was taking pictures and said hey i'll caddy so anyway they, they do everything they're wonderful going into the trip i know you've played every course um, that was on your itinerary, your your nine nights, eight rounds, um, and then you added in uh, the newest links in Scotland, Dumbarney links. Was there, it had been a couple of years since you had been back to Scotland, but was there an, a round you had most anticipated uh, on your your first trip back? Oh, I think, you know, I'm, I'm, a, I'm, a, I'm, I'm sure we'll get into the individual courses here, but I'm a huge fan of Royal Doorknock. I always have, and people always, have always asked me, What's my favorite course in the world? And I always say it's World Doorknock or, or if it's up among them. Um, so starting out with that course, which was our first round, and then ending up with the old course, which was our last round, I was obviously anticipating both those rounds. And again, to see um, three of my best mates uh, who have never been there and uh, see their faces on the first hole at Doorknock and then on the... Uh, you know, the first tee with the RNA behind you at, at uh, St. Andrews is, is worth its price in gold. Just seeing there, uh, you know, uh, a couple of them had tears on the old course, especially coming up 17 and 18 and then the Swilkin Bridge. And it's just magical to see somebody who has never been there experience it. I, I feel like I will definitely be that kind of emotional when I get to the old course at some point. Um, but like you said, you started your journey uh, at, up in the northeast above the highlands in Scotland at, at Royal Dornick. It's just a lot of people's favorite 
course in Scotland. We featured it, uh, Joe Passoff, uh, as the best twilight course in golf uh, in a recent issue of Lynx. It's where Do- Donald Ross grew up and learned mm-hmm. the game and which influenced a lot of his designs. I mean, what can you say about that place? I think, unfortunately, a lot of people, when they go to Scotland, uh, the easy way is to fly into Glasgow or Edinburgh and you do the courses that are within a couple hours. Uh, the St. Andrews courses, the East Lothian courses down closer to Edinburgh, and then obviously the courses um, over on the west side, closer to Glasgow, Turnberry and Troon and Presswick. And a lot of them don't take the three, four-hour drive north through the Highlands, which is a beautiful drive, and get to experience the courses up there. We played uh, Royal Dornock and, and Castle Stewart, but there's many, many others, hidden gems that I have never played Brora and others up there that I'd like to get to at some point. So starting out, you know, we flew um, Atlanta, Amsterdam, and Amsterdam, Inverness. Inverness is in the north of Scotland and is about an hour from Dornoch, a big city. And so by starting out there and flying up there, uh, you're eliminating the three-and-a-half-hour, four-hour trip by coach. It's just a magical experience. You know, again, it's just the, it's classic links. Um, we had uh, great weather. Uh, we had great caddies. Uh, you know, fairways were firm and fast. And um, it's just a magical day up there. Again, it's, uh, you know, I, I don't know why, but it is always, it was, the, it was the first links course I played in 1992. And I've always had a special spot in my heart for Dornock, and I always will. Just before going into the next group of courses what when you're done with your first round or each round of the day what does the the rest of your day look like on your trip uh well we went to the uh Dornick clubhouse right by the first tee and had um a couple pints and lunch uh and hung around uh for probably hour an hour and a half and then the the quaint little town of Dornick you can walk to you know three or four minute walk from the golf course so we went down there and, you know, looked at the cathedral and walked around town a little bit for an hour, hour and a half, and then ended up having dinner in a pub in Dornick and then heading back uh, the hour drive to Inverness. So, you know, we got to Dornick about 8.30 in the morning, teed off at 9.30, finished at 1.30, uh, lunch and a few pints, left Dornick at 3.30, went into town, uh, spent an hour and a half in the town, and then six o'clock had dinner in a pub, and seven thirty we're on the coach back to Inverness. You know, back in Inverness at the hotel at you know eight thirty nine o'clock. International travel restrictions are, are starting to get a little bit um, eased, and and certainly tee sheets are are really full at the the bigger courses, the all of the open rota courses. When you talk about St Andrews not really being able to get on there for at least another year unless you, you have something in the books. Um, but what was the, the vibe like in town, just the reception well, of, of visitors again? The interesting thing was when we got off the Perry Golf coach at Dornock, 8.30 in the morning, the caddy master, the starter, a couple other people came out and greeted us and said, it is so nice to see a Perry Golf coach back here. I believe we were the first or second 
Perry Golf coach on August 27th that had made it to Dornick to play. Um, we had the same uh, feeling at uh, North Barrick when we pulled in. A couple of people came out. So nice to see the Perry Golf. So anything, we were among the first to get over there, Americans, and 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 get through the protocols. Um, protocols, um, you know, they weren't easy, but you know, they were basically uh, we had to. Um, obviously show our double vaccines to Delta when we left. When we got over there, we had to purchase in advance from the NHS system in the UK the PCR test that was delivered to our hotel. And then on day two, we all had to take the PCR test online and then put that in the mail system. We brought it to the front desk at the hotel and they mailed it. And three, four days later, you get your results. So that was day seven, maybe. We got the results. We were all negative. And then we also had to bring with us, which we had ordered um, our own um, rapid test that we had to take uh, online uh, two days before we left and provide a negative uh, PDF to Delta to show that we were negative. Um, you know, again, I think they're going to end up doing away with... with um, the requirement to have the, um, the PCR test while you're over there, as long as you have the negative test two days prior to going home. And then as you probably read uh, just this week, um, you know, the Biden administration is, is going to allow effective, I believe, at the beginning of November, uh, double vaccinated uh, people from the UK and Europe to start traveling to the States um, as long as they're double vaccinated and can show a negative test uh, with no quarantine. And that's the reason we got over there in August because the UK government said to US uh, on August 2nd, if you're double vaccinated and can prove a negative test, you can come. So it, it'll, it'll, it'll start opening up. There's a little bit of a political a ball going on this too. The, um, you know, the people in the UK mentioned to me many times, I can't believe the U.S. is not opening up yet. We've opened up for you guys. And I try to explain to them, well, it's a little worse over in the U.S., especially in the southeast, uh, as far as hospitalizations and, and deaths uh, that are going here. You got 80 percent of your eligible population already vaccinated. We're down, you know, 50, 55 percent. And there are many people that still are not going to get vaccinated in the U.S. So they're not focusing on that. They just said, well, God, we, we let you guys in. Why don't you let us in? So I'm happy to hear that uh, beginning of November that, that that's going to change. Yeah, should help a lot of flights going back and forth and mm -hmm. get people from the U.K. to come and play golf in the States wherever they want to. The second golf course that you went to after Royal Dornick was Castle Stewart, a little bit different, a modern links. I know Gil Hans is involved there with Mark Parsonen. Right. Um, so what, how, how different does that feel from that, the old Royal Dornick classic links course um, to Castle Stewart? You can definitely feel a difference, but Castle Stewart is, is definitely a links course. I mean, you're by the water, it's kind of routed out and routed in. A um, uh, lot more elevation at Castle Stewart. I mean, you had to go up a few big hills to get to tees. You don't obviously see too much of that at Doorknock, maybe one or two holes. 
just you know again Kings Barnes and Castle Stewart developed by the same person uh, Kings Barnes uh, just turned 20 I believe or 21 and I think Castle Stewart is 12 or 13 years old so those are the two um, if you want to call it more modern links courses that have been developed over the last let's call it 20 22 years great experience and you know a little bit more modern uh, clubhouse and some of the amenities the locker rooms and the you know you know which a, which a lot of Americans like they you know they like their comfort but you know Gil did a wonderful job in that and uh, you know they've had the Scottish Open there and uh, it's only uh, 15 minutes from Inverness my guys loved it you know uh, and uh, I was, it was my second time there, so I was glad to get back, get back and see it again. And um, but I would definitely uh, put it on your rotation. Yeah, I think a lot of people would probably jump to just play, you know, all of the classic courses or follow the the open road or, or however um, they want to design it. But in your opinion, you like the idea of of, of mixing that in, right? Because there's so much to see in Scotland and and give yourself a reason to come back, I guess, um, if you don't. Yeah, I, I think so. I mean, we didn't get to the, and I've never been over to the Aberdeen area, which is a couple hours uh, east of um, Inverness. Um, so I could see how someone would say, we're going to skip Castle Stewart and head right over to do Royal Aberdeen and Cruden Bay and, again, some of the more older links courses again i've never done that i'd love to do it at some point but you're right there in inverness nairn is another great course that a lot of people play which um, i've played before but not on this trip so there you know there, there's three or four other hidden gems in that area then again they're only within a half hour of inverness so i think if you're staying in inverness for two or three nights and then your plan is to go south towards St. Andrews, uh, you know, I see every reason why you should stay and play Castle Stewart and maybe Nairn and, and obviously in addition to Royal Dornock. Mm -hmm. Nice to have as many nights as you can possibly take over there, I'm sure. Is is nine nights, days and nights, the that's a, it, about the longest yeah. you've done? Oh, yeah, yeah. That's, that's as long as we've done. Um, again, uh, I guess if you went 12 or 11, you could have gone over to Aberdeen and played Cruden Bay and Royal Aberdeen and, and maybe Trump's course over there and added another, you know, two or, two or three nights and then headed south to East Lothian and St. Andrews. But that would have probably been two weeks or 12 days. Yeah. I think eight or nine nights is, is a good number. I think if you go five or six, you may not be going quite long enough to experience what you should you know you're going a long way and you're, you're you know you're paying some good money so I, I think eight or nine nights is, is a perfect number of nights for a Scotland trip next up was uh Carnoustie which yeah. everyone recognizes and uh that just hosted the the women's British Great. Open um so it must have been in pretty good condition hasn't open hosted a open since 2018 we'll probably see it come up at some point an announcement to go back there, but uh, how it was Carnoustie just in as good a shape as ever? Oh, yeah. Um, before I get into the course, um, I might mention the, the ride down the highlands, you know, through the mountains uh, from Inverness to um, 
Carnoustie, which you're getting close to the you know, your Dundee area to St. Andrews, uh, is magical. Um, we actually stopped in a little town and got off and had a coffee. I think it was called Dunkeld. And so, you know, if you, if it's uh, a sunny day or even not a, not a dreary day, it, it, that's about a three-hour ride to Carnoustie. Um, and some great scenery, mountains and the sheep and the rivers and the streams and all that. So it's pretty, uh, you, you're not bored on the ride because you've seen a lot of great scenery. Carnoustie was in great shape. They still were taking the stands downs, stands down from the tournament. Consensus of my guys was definitely by far the hardest golf course we played. And it is. It was really the only golf course that we experienced uh, some significant wind in, in nine days. The back nine at Carnoustie started blowing. As you may know, the, uh, the back nine's very challenging at Carnoustie, especially 15 through 18. Uh, and so 15 and 16 uh, and 18 were into the breeze, and, and 17 was downwind. But one of my uh, buddies who's a three handicap, Doug Smith, um, 17 was playing uh, 225 into, I, I would say, a 20, 25 mile an hour wind. And he nutted a driver and hit it to about 20 feet. Um, we all hit drivers and were 20 yards, 30 yards short of the green. Uh, you know, it, was, it was playing 260 or 270. And then uh, 18, you know, we... I actually, well, I think three of the four of us laid up in front of the burn and, and had 70 yards in because we would have had, you know, 190, you know, playing 220, you got to fly 200. Uh, and so we all, three of us who are 12 handicaps, all hit five and six irons down there. And my buddy Doug Smith hit it into the burn on the right. Um, so... Um, but, you know, Carnoustie is just, uh, it, it's difficult, um, especially the back nine if the wind blows. Um, and so the consensus when we had our last dinner there, um, we were kind of ranking all the courses and all that. Um, there was no, everyone agreed that Carnoustie, as far as the difficulty of a challenge, was, was, was the number one. I was going to ask you about if anyone ended up in the burn or you know, stuck in a pot bunker along the way, oh, yeah. somebody in the, in the hotel room at, uh, the road hole or anything like that. Were there any, you remember any moments uh, out there that were, well, yeah, a couple of, you know, Doug Smith ended up in the burn on 18. I was in one burn, I think on the, the one that crosses in front of the green third or fourth hole. There's a burn about 20, 30 yards in front of the green. I was in that one. Um, we all were in, you know, pot bunkers that, you know, you get in one of those bunkers, um, you just have to get it out. You know, there, there's no reason or rhyme to get greedy because you're probably going to hit the bank and, and go back in. Um, so it's just a matter of getting out and taking your medicine and hopefully making a bogey. Part of the experience. I think you'd miss out if you didn't end up in one of those somewhere along the way. From Carnoustie, uh, your next stop was Dunbar? Yeah, we traveled um, that evening to East Lothian and stayed in the uh, newly renovated uh, North Berwick Marine Hotel. 
the uh, digressing a little bit here, but um, a private equity firm from the U.S. purchased um, the Russex Hotel in St. Andrews, um, the Marine in North Berwick, and the Marine over at Troon. And they are putting a lot of money into them. They were all tired. And so the Marine Hotel is probably 90% there, and the, but the rooms were all renovated, and they were wonderful. Um, and so that'll upgrade all the accommodations, which were older buildings, you know, that had gotten tired, but keeping the old feel and renovating rooms. So we got in there uh, 10 o'clock at night, and I had never, you know, Alice wrong. I had I, never played Dunbar. That was, that was on my Dunbar and Dunbar and Lynx were the two I hadn't played. Um, really interested in Dunbar. Uh, one of our contributors, Nick Edmond, uh, had told me such good things about that. Old course with a stone wall running between holes, really close to the ocean. So, I, you know, I think you cross under a stone wall on number four to get right on the ocean, and then you cross through that stone wall between 17 green and 18. So all of those holes are really on the water. And then I guess you have uh, four holes that are inland just a little bit, maybe 100 yards. So short course, uh, difficult course. Um, they do a lot of uh, the uh, British Open qualifying at Dunbar, and they, uh, they, always, uh, they don't eat it up. But uh, really, really enjoyed the, that experience. Um, and uh, would definitely recommend that to anyone in the area. Yeah, we had done a um, Great Courses of Britain and Ireland piece on Dunbar a few issues back as well. And the writer, it may have been Nick. I, I can't remember if it was him I think it was Nick, yeah. Yeah. But um, in it, he wrote that the, the locals call that the Pebble Beach of Scotland, which kind of mm-hmm. fits your description there of being mm-hmm. right there. Right on the water, Cliffs yeah. on the water and, and all that, so... But that's exciting. You checked off another a new course uh, in Scotland that you had never played. So yeah, you great. know, a lot of people go to uh, Gullin Number One, which I've played. Um, great, great course. In addition to North Berwick, when they're there, and I just decided this time uh, I wanted to see Dunbar, so we skipped Gullin Number One, and uh, uh, my guys really enjoyed it. So I, I think it was the right call. Is that kind of close to Muirfield there too? That area? Or? Yeah, yeah. Muir, Muirfield, going number one, North Berwick, uh, and Dunbar. Dunbar's a little bit out, uh, maybe a half hour, twenty minutes, half hour from North Berwick, the town of North Berwick, um, the town of Gullen, and uh, you know North Berwick are all right there. Muirfield, the Renaissance Club, are all within five miles of each other. Well, wow, that's so. That's the one area of Scotland I've been to, um, because the women played the Scottish Open at Gullen when when I was there with the LPGA, and um, I know there's another short course right there called Kilspindy. I don't mm-hmm. know if you heard wind of that place. Yeah, I have. I have, and I heard it's great. Our driver was telling us about it, and, and uh, we didn't obviously get a chance to stop and see it. But yeah, I've heard about that one. Yeah. Um, speaking of rock walls, um, and that area you mentioned it already north berwick um barrick am i saying it right i think i looked up north berwick barrick so it's spelled with a w not really pronounced that way 
Obviously, people have probably seen the picture of the 13th hole with a rock wall right next to the green. Uh, that's where the original Redan hole is uh, on the west links there. Yeah, number 15. Yep. That's one you've been to before, Yeah, right? I really like North Berwick. I've always said that it, it's, it's one of my favorites. Uh, it's a little uh, quirky in certain places, so some people may not. Blind shots, um, a couple crazy greens. Um, I believe the original Burritz was, was there, and it is, it's the 16th hole. Um, very severe. Uh, 15, you've got the original Redan hole, which obviously was replicated all over the U.S. And um, very old feel. Um, you're, you're right in town, so it's a little bit like St. Andrews when you tee off and come in on 17 and 18, a lot of people walking by um, with dogs and stuff. Um, but very old feel to it, um, and it is old. Um, but... Uh, there are some people who think it's a little bit, I don't know what the word is, contrived or maybe quirky because, again, you, you have more blind shots there than some of the other courses. And, you know, one could say a couple of these greens are just too severe. I kind of like it for the history. And you, and you go in and you see, okay, here's the original Redan hole and think all the Redans you played in the U.S. and then original Baritz hole, and then you think of Yale and some of these other ones with the big swales in the green, and you kind of say, this was one of the first ones that did this, and a lot of the architects, you know, kind of knocked it off when they did the other courses, you know, in, in future designs, which which is pretty cool. Yeah, I think that's it's polarizing sometimes, some of those concepts where you can't really see where your ball is going to end up or how to get there, but I, I agree that would be a special feeling to – to play history, essentially. Kingsbarns, again, is your next stop. Uh, and you know, a lot of people think that place, if you're going to add a new course yeah. to the open rota, that might be a good option. We did a Lynx subscriber event in 2019 uh, where we I think we had 12 or 16 people. And at the end of, we just did East Lothian and St. Andrews. And I believe, I don't want to exaggerate here, but three or four out of the 12, when we were having our, our last dinner, said Kings Barnes was their favorite golf course. It feels like it's been there a long time. It's only 21 years old, I believe. Um, fantastic setting. Um, and I can't say enough about Kings Barnes. Um, so, you know, again, it, it's, I guess you you would position it a little bit like Castle Stewart, you know, a little bit more modern, but it, it doesn't feel that way out there. I mean, again, if you, uh, the clubhouse is a little more modern. If you took that clubhouse away and just showed up, you could see, oh, th th this thing's got to be a couple hundred years old, you know, uh, but it's only 21 years old. Fantastic shape. Uh, uh, they really uh, roll out the red carpet for you at King's Barnes. You know, with your welcome package and your uh, meeting you at the coach and all that. But, uh, yeah, my guys really liked it. I, I think one of them um, thought that that was probably his favorite. And, really? and I've heard that before. You know, um, just a great experience. And, you know, don't – make sure you put Kingsburns on your rotation. Don't skip that one. And it's only about 15, 20 minutes outside of St. Andrews. So if you're staying in town, it's, it's very close. With Kings Barnes and probably the old course, any of these other courses that 
you played on this trip, would you consider to be a, a can't miss course? Um, well, obviously, we, you mentioned the goal, the old course. You don't miss that if you get if you have the opportunity to play it. Um, I'm a big fan of the new course, and I believe the new course was built in 1860 or 70, and they call it the new course. My caddy there uh, that day, who caddies on all of the St. Andrews Trust courses, uh, told me that new course was his favorite golf course. Uh, you know, it, it, it runs uh, parallel and almost in the middle of the old course. So you you know you're right there. Uh, you have the Jubilee on one side, the new course, and then the old course, all kind of you know running parallel to each other. So you're always seeing holes in the old course when you gun there. So I would definitely you know make sure you played that um, one. Um, and then um, the one that we played that was new that I hadn't played and I was really um, excited to see was where the women had just played the uh, Scottish Open, Dunbarney Links, uh, which has only been open uh, a year or two now. Matt, 500 or 600 acres of farmland that a family that I believed owned four or five thousand acres sold to the developer and Clive Clark who was a, a English uh, designer uh, designed the course and it opened up a little over a year ago or and then obviously COVID hit um, just uh, a little bit different feel because um, a lot of the holes between the holes you can't see the other holes it almost has like a whistling straight feel to it you know, there's trees and scrub and stuff. So it's not your classic links where you're looking out and you're seeing everything, mm -hmm. uh, especially if you're elevated a lot. Uh, hilly course, a lot of elevation. Um, enjoyed it. I think it's going to take a couple years to grow in. You know, like any new course, the, the greens are very firm. So you had, to, you had to play for that, you know, just play for the front of the greens because you knew you weren't going to – your ball wasn't going to check that much. Um and, uh, you know, from my, what I gather, the, the women were very, uh, you know, high on it after, uh, after the Scottish Open. And um, uh, so that's definitely one, you know, that, that'll be, uh, you know, kind of like a Castle Stewart or a King's Barnes in a couple of years. Yeah. You know, more modern, um, something you, you put on your rotation. Uh, maybe you don't play it every year you go over there, if you, you know, but it's something you need to play, just like King's Barnes and Castle Stewart. That was the only day you had two courses on the agenda, and you'd already played six we played, rounds at that point. We played right? the new course. That, that was a lot of golf. We played the new course that morning and uh, then motored over to Dunbarney, had lunch, and teed off at 3 o'clock. Um, and you're walking all of these places? We are walking, yeah. yes. Is there any riding Yeah, in uh, well, in all, in true transparency, George Pepper, our editor, who happened to be in Scotland uh, the same week I was, and has a, a bad back, a disc problem, uh, arranged to have a, a buggy or a cart uh, at Dunbarney. So I kind of uh, rode with him. We took a four caddy. Um, and, uh, but that was, I mean, you can, um, you know, on the newer courses, if you have a medical excuse, um, you can arrange a buggy. Uh, very difficult. I didn't see any buggies on the old courses that, that, that doesn't seem to happen. Um, 
but I believe on a King's Barns, you probably could, if you had were hurting, you probably could get a cart there as well. Mm-hmm. At that point in your trip, you're staying right there in St. Andrews, yeah. right? Um, just for someone who hasn't been there, uh, what's the community like around uh, the old course and, and all of the well, you're, St. You're, Andrews links? I'm sure um, anybody who's listened to this probably has seen pictures. Um, St. Andrews is, is a small city, I guess, town, uh, where you can walk everywhere. Um, they have the ruins on the old cathedral and uh, ruins on one side, and then obviously you walk through town and then you get into the, the where the RNA and the old course is. Um, and uh, it is just uh, so nice to stay right in town because you can get up in the morning and go have a coffee somewhere, uh, and at night you can have dinner and then go to a couple pubs and go back to your hotel and not get in a coach and drive. The, you know, the, a lot of people stay at the Fairmont, which is um, out toward King's Barns. It's you know, eight miles out of town uh, in a wonderful uh, hotel, bigger hotel. Um, but the only drawback that is you're you're going back and forth into town for dinner at night and back, and you just can't hop out of your hotel and walk down the street for an hour and go shopping or not as convenient, but... Um, you know, it's, it's a, you know, the old course is, you know, it, it's a little bit um, frightening because you're, there's a lot of people walking around, especially on uh, number one and number two and number 17 and number 18. You know, you're, you're teeing off with the RNA right behind you and there's, you know, you, we, there are probably 15 or 20 people, you know, right behind us, right in front of the RNA just looking at you. Uh, and I don't care how many times you, get on that tee, you, your heart's starting to go a little bit, even if you're a, you know, accomplished golfer. It's just one of those things that you, I don't feel on other courses that much. Uh, fortunately, we all hit good drives. I, I've seen I've seen somebody whiff on the first tee there. <laughs> I've seen people hit it out of bounds right. I've seen people hit it out of bounds left, which is hard to do. Um, but the fairways are so firm, if you pull it with a hook, you could drive all the way over and end up you know, to the right of the 18th fairway. Um, but we all we all managed good drives, and I actually hit an 8-iron to 4 feet and missed it, uh, which I was very unhappy about, but I thought that was going to be my only birdie. Um, and then obviously coming in on, you know, 17, we all, we all hit good drives um, over the corner of the, the hotel, and um, I believe three of us were in the fairway, one was just in the left rough, so we all... Played that hole relatively good, and then 18, again, you're right there, and, um, you know, people walk along the road and behind the green, and, uh, you know, so, it, you know, in wide fairway, it's, I guess the miss, you know, it'd be possible to hit it OB right. Um, I hit my second shot a little left of the green, was over, you know, closer to the, not on the first tee, but maybe, uh, you know, 10 yards maybe 20 yards left of the green, but, you know, 10 yards right of the first tee, um, you know, chipped up there. Um, you know, as I said, it's very emotional. Uh, one, one of my guys got on that Swilkin Bridge, and I looked at him, and he was crying. And another one of my guys, um, his father-in-law had passed away on a golf course in uh, California two years ago, and he brought one of his pair of shoes that had never been worn and warm that day. And he made a video, he shot a video himself 
of his shoes walking over the Swilkin Bridge and, and then posted that uh, online in honor of his uh, father-in-law who hadn't made it over there but, you know, died on a golf course. And there's a lot of that stuff that goes on over there, you know. Um, and it's just, it's just so cool to see, um, you know, people's reaction, especially on 18 and one in 18 that you get a, you get a little choked up. Yeah, um, it's hard not to. Right, a truly special feeling. I'm, I'm sure. Um, it doesn't look very big, is it? How many people you think could fit on that bridge at one time? Oh, it's not big. Yeah, I, you know, four. I mean, I guess if you got if you one of your caddies behind you, maybe they can go behind you. But as far as the width of the bridge, I think I had my, you know, I had one foot on the actual, you know, higher part, the wall. Um, and we kind of crammed in there. Um, but, you know, as I said, I guess you could get your caddies behind you and, and kind of maneuver a picture of four caddies and, and, and four guys. But mm -hmm. it's pretty small. Yeah. You also got the chance to do, I don't know if that was your first time going in to the RNA uh, with George. Yeah. Um, I mean, I had been in there a couple times. Um, Gordon Daglish, who happened to be over there, uh, I mentioned as the owner of Perry Golf and a good friend. He was entertaining a few people. Uh, so we met him at the, at the clubhouse, but George Pepper, as I said earlier, was over there as a longtime member, and so he hosted us. We had to bring a tie and a coat, which obviously is worth it. Um, and then we had a couple drinks, and George showed us around all the history in there and the, the trophies and golf dating back into the 1600s and, and all that stuff. And... Uh, it's just magical to be in there and, and see that the original Claire jug is right when you walk in and that jug is never taken out of that place. Everybody should know or doesn't know that the, the winner the jug gets is, is a um, replica that they can keep for a year. But the uh, original one never leaves the, maybe, maybe to clean it up, but never leaves that uh, right, the entranceway. The first thing you see in the big trophy case is the, Claret jug, which is cool, and yeah. have somebody say, "Hey, this one, this thing doesn't leave." Mm -hmm. you know, the one that Tom Watson gets or whoever wins is the one they get for a year, and they can pour drinks in it and do whatever they want. Hopefully, they don't mess it up. But uh, they return that after a year, and that's the one we give to the next year winner. But the, the original one stays right there. Right. Yeah. Fun fact: we talked to George about that as well. He had written a column talking to the Claret jug uh, before last year's open. So. Is there anything off off the links around Scotland, whether in St. Andrews or elsewhere, a favorite pub or, or something you really enjoy doing that you make sure if, if I'm over there, I have to go here or, or do this outside of golf? I think, I think uh, the one pub to go to in St. Andrews would be the Jigger Inn, which is on the 17th hole. It's part of the... Uh, the old course hotel and it was an old train station master's house when the train ran through there and they converted that when the train stopped running running there i'm guessing 30 40 years ago that was converted into a pub and it's called the jigger inn and it you're right on the 17th hole they have tables outside so you can sit we sat outside for a while and had a couple of drinks and watched you know it was like nine o'clock at night watched the last three or four groups come in, I think it was, uh, it was late to about 
9.30, 10 o'clock when we were there, which is fine. You're right. You know, you're about 100 yards from the green, uh, maybe 150. So you're watching their second shot come into 17. Um, so that's one. Um, there's just a lot of great pubs in St. Andrews. Um, the Dunvegan Inn is a, is a famous bar that was owned by uh, two Americans, Jack and uh, Sheila Willoughby from Texas. Um, and they sold it a few years ago, but that lot of memorabilia all over that place. And that's right, you know, 100 yards from the RNA right downtown. You know, you just walk down the street, you, you, you run into a pub, and, you know, and just explore. But I guess that would be, you know, the other thing is we, you know, if you have time, go, go to a distillery and go to a Glen Morangi or one of the distilleries and spend an hour in there and do some tastings. We, we didn't have time for that, but we bought uh, three bottles of whiskey over eight days and would have it in the uh, coach and just have a little, little wee dram. And we also, I should say this, we had a wee dram every morning before we teed off in the coach. Just a really little nip to get us going, and uh, so that was kind of a, you know, something we just decided to do every morning, um, you know, maybe a half hour before we teed off, which was kind of cool. Get loose and limber and, and ready to go. Yeah. Um, last two questions. Um, was there any course that you wasn't on the itinerary for this trip that you, you really missed? Well, again, we didn't go to the West Coast, um, and I have not been over there for, oh, uh, many years, but, you know, the three over there are Turnberry, Presswick, and Troon. And I haven't played World Troon, so at some point I'd like to see that. Um, so we didn't get over there. And again, um, as I said earlier, when you, when you put Dornick on the schedule uh, and you're that far north, you, you just can't do everything you, you can do. So we did that area. We did... St. Andrews, and we did East Lothian, and we, we, we didn't have time to go over to um, the Turnberry area. It would have only been a you know, two-hour trip from St. Andrews, maybe. But um, I think if you do that, you would skip Dornuck and just do Presswick, Turnberry, and Troon, and then go over to East Lothian and do North Berwick, maybe Gullen Number 1 or Dunbar, and then go up to St. Andrews and do the old, the new, King's Barnes, uh, and maybe um, uh, maybe Carnoustie or Dumbarney. Mm -hmm. Yeah, but Dornick kind of stretches that D out Dornick, again, and that's why I said earlier that I believe a lot of people uh, don't go up there because, it, again, it just adds uh, travel time and, uh, you know, two, three days onto a schedule where if you stayed more in the Edinburgh, Glasgow area, you wouldn't have as much driving and you certainly could package in, um, you know, two nights on the West Coast and do uh, Turnberry, Troon and Presswick and then go over to East Lothian and then up to St. Andrews. And then, you know, Carnoustie is only about an hour from downtown St. Andrews. So that's an easy day trip. Yeah, maybe an hour, 10 minutes at the most, up to Dundee and then down to Carnoustie. So that's just, you stay in St. Andrews, you just go out there, mm -hmm. you know, and still get back. And it can be a, you know, six, seven hours door to door on, the, on that day, gotcha. including the travel time. And the last thing, I, I don't know if you, any of your guys 
uh, picked your brain before the trip left. And there's obviously a lot of things you have to do at the moment to prepare for this trip. Um, just international uh, restrictions and, and things to do. But uh, for someone who is planning a trip and needs to know how to pack, what to what to pack, what to bring with them, uh, what advice would you give somebody? Uh, well, I mean, we had incre- – I bought two rain suits and never used them. We had nine days, and it's it spat some rain for 10 minutes at Dunbar. Um, but it's always good to be prepared with two uh, rain gears. Uh, and um, the other thing that I told my guys is put all your golf gloves in a plastic bag and you're, put all your uh, you know, everything in plastic bags because if it does rain, anything in your golf bag is going to get wet. You know, uh, I've played the old course and pounding rain for four hours and you know, trying to keep the scorecard after one hole is useless because it gets so wet. Um, so it's always good to bring four or five plastic bags and keep them in. So because any, you know, your your bag where you keep your tees and your you know ball markers and all that uh, that can go into a plastic bag. So that again, that doesn't get wet in your bag. Um, and then layers. You just never know. I mean, we we wore shorts most of the time. What? Um, if you if you don't want to bring long pants for golf, what I found is, and it's you know going to be sixty to seventy degrees, bring shorts and then just have your rain gear ready, and then if it gets cold or starts raining, you put your rain pants over your shorts, mm-hmm. uh, and that way you're not putting them over khakis and it's bundling up and getting uncomfortable. So that's what we did. Um, but all my guys every day wore shorts, and I think. One or two days, we just took out the rain gear. It was starting to get a little cool, um, and put them out over our legs to keep warm. But layers, you know, you know, again, you never know. Just bring, you know, you bring a turtleneck, you bring some golf shirts, but you bring a a nice sweater or a, you know, a, you know, a sweatshirt that you can put on easy. And layers, plastic bags, and then obviously you always bring. One or two, uh, probably two rain tops, because mm-hmm. if one gets really wet, the next day you don't want to put it on. It may take a while to to dry out, and, unless you have a dryer somewhere. So, got it. great. Well, Jack, thank you for the insight um, and the advice, and going through your trip with us. I appreciate it. it makes me want to go even more. Maybe I'll get in the uh, the crew next time. Who knows? But yeah, thank you again. You're it's welcome. Been a, a fun Again, I'll, I'll end with, um, you know, as, as I said earlier, it, it it seems to be opening up over there now, as long as you're double vaccinated, and the uh, it's going to be less restrictive as far what what you have to do. Um, so it's going to get easier, and um, obviously with the uh, Open Championship being at St Andrews next year, uh, it's going to be a big year for golf travel to Scotland, um, and I think there's a lot of pent-up demand. Everybody's put their plans on hold for, well, a year and a half, two years. So uh, 2022, if you haven't booked, you know, I would, and you're serious about that, I would get on that now, um, or you're probably going to be looking at 2023, especially to play the old course. Um, you know, the old course is out of commission for five weeks next year with the, with the Open Championship, so... 
Um, so you're probably looking at, if you want to tie in the old course, looking at a 23 trip now. And again, if you're serious with everything opening up, I would, I would start to plan now. Yeah. Don't wait. Yeah. Uh, the time is now Don't to, wait. to get to Scotland. Um, all right. All right, Al. Thanks. Thanks for great being with you and thanks for your time. Thanks, Jack.